0: Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive.
1: Welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. This is Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner, your co-hosts, your trusty co-hosts, and we have a special guest with us today. And Tom, I should have really double-checked on your last name. I know we've met. Is it Suvansri?
2: That's spot on. Well done.
1: Awesome. (laughs) Well, Tom Suvansri is here with us today on the show, and we're going to be really digging into whole life insurance in his real, actual, everyday life. Um, We've known Tom for a while now. I think I met you about five years ago or so. And I think maybe Bruce before that. Um, Tom, I know you are working in the industry, but you are also very like-minded as we are in terms of using a product that we promote. It's not just about saying, oh, hey, it's good for everybody else. We're saying, hey, this is actually good for us. So good that we are doing it, in fact, and loving the results in our life. And so, um, Tom, I'm really excited to talk with you about this 19-year journey that you have been on so far, and what fruit it's produced in your life in terms of having your whole life insurance policies and seeing what's happening with them, and what you're doing now, and what you're looking forward to in the future. So, um, thank you for joining us on this on the show today.
2: Thank, thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored. as a As a advisor, I, I really appreciate all you guys do. It's it's I, I get tons out of all of your episodes as well. So. Just an honor to be
1: here. Awesome. Now, Bruce, before I jump into any questions, can you just share a little bit about your um, background and how we came into this conversation today?
3: Yeah. So, Tom and I, I, Tom, you might know the exact uh, how many years it's been since we've met, but it's been it's been quite a few. And when Tom and I first met, we were, I think, having lunch and we were going over some strategies and. I could just tell that, you know, we were going to hit it off for a variety of reasons. And, you know, since then, Tom and I probably talk, I would guess on average about once a quarter at least. And we just share our experiences in the industry. And uh, he's a wealth of knowledge and passion. And so I get energy from him. And he obviously gets something from me because he he keeps calling and checking in. And then uh, he has his own podcast. And so we see each other, or I was on the podcast, and then we also see each other at events, and so we stay in touch. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just it, talking about how, you know, the, one of our biggest episodes is when John Moriarty came on and talked about how he uses his whole life policies. And I think I, it just hit me one day, and I'm like, Tom's policies are very well seasoned, so why don't we have somebody else besides me talk about you know, the policies over and over and over. So that's, that's why I, I really want to have time on the show.
1: I love you use that word seasoned. I love looking at an experience where somebody has been doing this for a while and really seen the fruit and the results. We talk so much about what you can have if you get started. And now instead of just hearing about the potential for the future, we're going to really show you in actuality what that can look like. So Tom, again, welcome to the show. Can you go ahead and give us just a little bit of background from you? How did you? um, It doesn't necessarily have to be about the industry yet, but can you just share how did you get interested in using Whole Life in the first place?
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy to even talk think about. It It was nearly twenty years ago when I when I got my first policy, and it's before we had kids, so we were single. I was uh, actually not even. We were just about to get married, and we we thought this might be a good time to to look into it. And we just had a neighbor introduce us to the concept, mm-hmm. right, of getting some some uh permanent policies in place. And obviously, we just had our group policies from work, and which a lot of people obviously start with and assume that that's enough. We don't have any kids, so we just started talking, and I to this ad- advisor and. It did open up my eyes to some some things, and, and obviously, I was really big into saving. It was just something I naturally did, even from a little kid. I was just a good saver for whatever reason. Um, so it just kind of stuck with me, and I kind of didn't know what the heck I was really getting into at the time. I just looked at some of the, the, the components of it, and I said, listen, if it's going to force me to save, let's do it. Um, and I want to have kids someday, and I kind of thought long-term about things, and I said, okay, let's, let's give it a try. Um, what's, what's the worst could happen here. <laughs> um, and we, we started our policies back in 2003. Um, and we got some, uh, a mixture of whole life and term insurance. Cause I did want to protect for my future and, you know, talking about human life value. That was the first time I ever heard of it. I didn't oh, think wow. about it much, right. Um, he was talking about that and making decent salaries. And so you got a lot to protect. And I said. That's right. (laughs) I agree. And so that's kind of how we started. And I didn't that's how we, we started saving. I didn't really think twice about it and kind of put it away
4: for a while.
1: That's fascinating because I know you're in the infinite banking space now. And were you aware of the infinite banking concept at the time, or was it really just about this idea of I'm saving, this is a good tool for saving, and it's going to do something for my future? Was that kind of the the main goal that you were wanting to accomplish?
2: Yeah, the, the concept of uh, infinite banking wasn't even talked about. It was nothing about, you know, you talk about P-ways, anything around it. It was just a long-term savings vehicle that protects you from, you know, these bad things that could happen. Mm. Um, so nothing around it, not even the concept of how to leverage it if you wanted to in, in the second spot. None of that was discussed.
1: So in terms of what kind of policies you got then, You said there was a a mix of some term and whole life insurance. You were in this saving component, the saving goal. How did you land on whole life insurance? And then what kind of whole life was it?
2: Yeah. So it was uh, at the time I had my, my head father had gotten some and he had universal life. He said, do not do that again. Don't (laughs) ever touch those things. Basically uh, imploded um i'm sorry so, that. yeah it just uh you know one of those those sad stories and uh, but you know that was something that stuck with me and mm. and so we, we got into talking around just a permanent whole life policy right from a mutual insurance company which i didn't understand what that meant at the time mm. um but so at least that that was a really good part of it but it was just plain whole life right paid up at 65 that was what uh we got and um you know, my first policy, I think it was death penalty was like a million dollars. And I got some supplemental term insurance on top of it that I've slowly converted over the years, mm. which we can get into. But, uh, and it got on my wife too. She was working. So we, you know, we kind of just made it proportional to our incomes at the time and protecting each other. And I said, I'm not sure what will happen to either of us. So let's protect
3: both of us. And that's kind of that. what we did.
4: So savings and protection.
3: So, so, Tom, yeah, you know, so Tom, one of the things um, you brought you bring up a very interesting thing about universal life because i I tell people all the time there was a there's a progression of how uh, insurance actually came into the human population. And the first part was really a variation of whole life where um, coops or or villages just decided to. You know, pool their resources together in case somebody died. They would help the family, and that's exactly what Whole Life does. And then later on, they had one-year renewable term that came about. But then, when one-year new renewable term came about, every year the um, the term cost was going up, which is fine because it was really cheap at the beginning. But then, right when you start getting closer to mortality, the cost just did the reverse pyramid, and all of a sudden, what the insurance companies were finding out is that people were dropping those policies, and so then they they took on a more of where they they put the terms in it, um, so that they went ten year terms, fifteen years, twenty, so that they spread out the costs of of life insurance, and people were more likely to keep it then. Then they came about with the interest rates, which we're going through right now, increasing. Um, They came up with universal life. And universal life was an interest rate driven. The problem with universal life, as your father found out, is they said, oh, you just need to minimally fund it and you'll be fine because the interest rates will always be high. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because a lot of people think that universal life is a way that the insurance industry is actually scamming people. And the truth of the matter is, is that most of the people that are selling it just don't understand the, the mechanics of it. So they tell you, look, it's really easy. Just put in this minimum amount. It's going to grow later on. You're never going to have a problem. If you do it properly, if you maximum fund it, there's less likely to have problems. And then, and then because those blew up, guess what happened? Then the industry said, well, the problem is we need to get into variable universal life. And that's where the stock market was taking off. And then the final iteration of all this is index universal life, which they said, oh, well, when the stock market plummets and you lost all your money, your variable universal life, you can't do that in index universal life. But in order to do that, what we have to do is we have to actually be able to change the fees in there. Because we have to buy options to protect the insurance company. The reason I bring up all that is because the one thing that really hasn't changed that whole time is whole life. And the reason it hasn't changed is because it is of conservative nature. It is a savings program. That's what people don't realize, that people use this instead of banks for years for savings. And it wasn't until the banks, the interest rates at the banks actually took off, that a lot of people started just storing money in the banks. So that's interesting that you came at this from a savings component, even though you also needed to have the protection for your family. And I tell this, and you you know that my wife and I don't have any children either. In the time you had, you didn't have any children. This is not about the death benefit, although the death benefit is really nice to to actually make yourself productive in life when you have something to protect. But the really, the really nice thing, taking infinite banking out of it is that it's a great savings formula for people to set it and forget yeah, it. Yeah.
1: There's so much packed into that. And Bruce, thanks for walking through that history. I think it's really helpful to hear why not all whole life insurance is the same or why not all life insurance is the same and how you can use a different product to really go back to the fundamentals, the fundamentals being let's save really well and let's not try to think about how to get the highest rate of return and also get investments built into our protection. Let's just think about it as pure savings and protection. So Tom, go through, how did you feel about that first policy? I know you kind of hinted at this as we were um, getting ready to record today. How did you feel about that policy after you bought it, what was your um your emotion? Was there some buyer's remorse where you're like, "Hey, what in the world did we do? This is a lot of money to put into something. It's working, it's not working." What were your the trajectory of your feelings over the past 19 years with these whole life insurance policies?
2: Yeah, at the time because I was uh you know, and I I think things through pretty deeply and it took me a little while to even get to there to accept and 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 get a policy. And I did initially as I got into the first year, to uh, when there was no cash, <laughs> I saw that there was nothing, and I it, it did sort of strike me. as, in, in my did I do the right thing? I was mm-hmm. a little concerned um, at the time. Certainly, we it was two thousand three, so you know we had the two thousand one correction, so that was a little bit of an impetus to sort of say, should I be putting my money there <laughs> in a in a risky environment like that, and so. Um, I wasn't sure I was still suspicious about it early on, but you know, the protection arm, especially when we were thinking about having a family really stuck with me. And I said, you know, if this thing does what it says it's going to do, or at least remotely do on the illustration, we'll be in pretty good shape, right. For a portion of our assets. So I, I kind of always had to remind myself of the long term of it. Mm. And, um, and so, but early on, it was a little bit, uh, I was suspicious. I wasn't sure.
1: Yeah, well, you still stuck with it, though. I mean, that's the thing. You didn't say, I'm so suspicious that I'm not going to get in. I mean, some people do that, right? They're, they're like, well, I've heard it's not good. I'm not even going to consider it. And then you, you said, okay, well, I'm going to jump over that hurdle. And first, I'm going to start this policy. And now it's still looking like it's not doing much for me in these early years right away. I'm not really sure this is a good idea. But you stuck with it. And something made you stick with it. How, how do you feel about your policies right now?
2: It's so funny. I, I was kind of joking with my wife about it because, I, like, every time I get an, an annual sort of uh, statement come through saying your premium is, is due, you know, some people think of it like a bill. I, I tell you, I, I give it a hug because I know what it's done for us and our families. It's secured so much for us over these years and what it will do in the future. Like, I cannot wait to contribute to it because I know we've done the hard work up front and it is now getting better every year I own it. And I said, you know, especially at the time in our lives, later in our lives, it's going to be like this security blanket for us, for a lot of things and for our children and hopefully our grandchildren. And so I'm looking at it that way. And I just, you know, I get sometimes a little uh, emotional when I think about it like that, because, you know, obviously I'm trying to share with my kids and, you know getting them to learn it as they get older and it's just a powerful tool and you can get so wrapped up in just the life insurance as a product but what is done for our family and what is secured is I can't even put a dollar on it it's amazing
3: that's awesome hey tom talk about talk you you said this earlier but I don't think people kind of caught it you said it's just like ordinary whole life insurance so if you could, if you could expound on that, and then also what I uh, also talk about, you know, the kind of the crossover point that you found in the ordinary whole life insurance, because what people don't realize it's it's really close to an IBC type structure. Uh, it's just that you give up a lot more in the beginning than you do in IBC, but it quickly catches up later on. And one of the reasons it's do, it does catch up is because of the amount of dividends that an ordinary whole life policy will actually produce compared to the the uh, IBC uh, program so could you talk about yeah, the structure so this of that and so more I'll, detail? I'll take
2: mine which it was a $1 million policy and it was uh, a little over 12,000 a year and it was Steady, right? There's no, it doesn't fluctuate, right? So early on, it feels a little painful, but every year, it's with our 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 uh, inflationary world we live in, it's getting cheaper <laughs> to fund this. The dollars are getting cheaper, and and I think by and and again, at the time we were also the interest rates were higher at the time we got them, so you imagine the the illustrations reflected higher dividends. Mm-hmm. So I've seen that. And I went back because I can be somewhat of a nerd sometimes looking at this stuff and compared them. And they were, were, they're much, the dividends were lower than what the illustration says. And I know you guys preach that all the time is that these are just illustrations.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They can, they're
3: snap, yeah, they're yeah. just snapshots in time and, and that's I say true. The time.
2: and in the world we live in, maybe we're going to see increasing ones, right? As interest rates rise, but no guarantee that. But looking at that. The guaranteed cash was what they said it was going to be, right? So that was was good. And the dividends were a little lower, but they were still getting delivered every year, right? And it took, I think it was around year 12 or 13 when what I had contributed was equal to the cash. So So meaning your
1: premiums that you'd paid in for those 12 years, now your cash value is that and... And going beyond the paid correct. in capital.
2: Correct, correct. But well before that, I think it was somewhere in a year five-ish, I think, is when my cash was in that one year went up by more than what I put in.
4: Mm.
2: Right? So from an individual year break, even if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. you know, then I felt like in my mind, it was kind of like, this is a bank account. Because I put the dollar in, and the dollar is showing mm-hmm. up in the other side here. So psychologically, in my head,
4: I start saying, "This is not an expense anymore." <laughs> this is how I store money. Right. So
3: uh, it's what we would refer to like yes.
4: an all-base all policy. Sorry, yeah,
3: yeah. And then Sorry. you, and then the term you didn't have a term rider; you had a standalone term correct. policy. Yes, correct. Right. Yeah. I just want to make sure the listeners kind of understood this, um, and then you've also gone through two, two um, mortality changes and a seventy-seven oh two. So we we have to understand that the industry continues to change. So whatever Tom was getting, it is now not exactly, but it's really really close. And and when you get down into the minutia, that's really dangerous a lot of times. So I tell people because. We don't even know where the industry's going to go into the future and where the mortality tables are going to go and where the interest rates are going to go, so on and so forth. But the one thing we do know, as Tom said, the guaranteed cash, we do know that the insurance companies will be in that position. And then from their track record, you know, every every company that you represent and we represent has been around for at least 117 years and have never missed, you know, a a dividend payout. They may not have hit the one on the illustration. And frankly, sometimes they're a lot higher than the ones on the illustrations. So you need to understand how dividends work, but you, you yeah, can't actually, get Bruce, hung up on the I want the to add on
1: to that real quick with the so I, okay, illustration so we, idea, just that, because I think it can be so easy when you're getting started to say, all right, I like this this life insurance idea, but now I got to understand exactly what's happening. I have to have the exact right design, the exact right policy. And you're looking at, okay, well, which one shows a little bit higher dividend rate? Which one shows a little bit higher on the non-guaranteed cash value? Which illustration is better? That's really what it all boils down to. Which illustration is better today and in the future? The problem with all of that is that, as Tom was saying, his experience in real life was different than the illustration. So the illustration is not the main thing. Don't make your decision based on comparing every single line item in an illustration and thinking the finer you look at all the tiny details, the better decision you'll make. That's not true. Instead, zoom back out from the whole thing. Don't get lost in the weeds and really zoom out and recognize that this is a product that is going to grow and benefit you long-term. And that's what the what we would really like to highlight. No, no
3: Bruce, that's great.
1: I, I just wanted to articulate that. You can come back to
3: work. No, no that's, that's awesome. Our, you know, our, our friend James Nethery, I, I mm-hmm. quote him all the time. If you understand the concepts, the details don't matter. And if you don't understand the concept, concepts, the details don't matter. So the details never matter. Um, you do have to understand the concepts. And the concept is you, you're you're putting money into a time-tested, financial vehicle because an insurance company is a financial institution that ha- is contractually obligated to do something for you and you can't really get that in any other financial institution that has the same uh, other qualities of it with, with, which is a death benefit you know guaranteed uh, growth on one side you know, some people could say, "Well, a banking institution, no, because a bank can change their and interest no rates at any benefit. time." Um, mm-hmm. So, and there's no death benefit. So, Tom, let's let's now go to the next iteration where you yeah. added some policies. So
2: I ended up adding a policy a few years later because our incomes had grown a bit. Right, we were fortunate to to add some income and. And I had some term insurance that I had secured at the beginning, right? Just basic term insurance, 30-year term. And I just, I had more income and I said, okay, now I see some cash building up here. I kind of felt better about this. I was still a little leery about the market and anywhere else to save and banks weren't doing much. So we started another policy uh, for both my wife and I. And we added, we took a little chunk off of our term insurance and converted it over at that time um, and got our second policies. Um, at, at the time, my wife was like, what are we doing? Here? <laughs> uh, she wasn't quite sure, but she did trust me. Um, but I said, this is the, the building block of kind of our savings. Right. So I just kind of felt it was a good sort of uh, next step for us as we, and we had uh, kids at that time. So, I want to secure more permanent
4: death benefit.
1: So, you mentioned that you took a portion of your term and converted that. One of the benefits of having as much insurance as you can get upfront, even if it's not all whole life, but having some term policies that are convertible is that you don't have to go through underwriting again in order to be able to move some of that term and chunk that over into whole life insurance, where you're just taking a portion of the death benefit and now you're adding a whole life insurance premium. But you're not having to go through the underwriting process. How um, how is that for you? Not having to go through underwriting again. Did that matter at the time, or was that just a a cool benefit at the time?
2: It was a cool benefit. I think it, we were thankfully healthy at the time, so I th- I still think it would be good. But you know, we know as as you know that the sun rises and falls. Like I don't know what tomorrow will bring. So I always was leery about that. I want to reduce risk. So that was a good benefit and. Um, you know so that that i didn't it didn't strike me much because we were still in good health at the time we're still you know still a lot younger um and healthy so but you know these days now i you know the world we live in i turn around every time i turn around someone's had something happen Mm -hmm. that they never expected you know stroke at age 40 how's that happen right for for young healthy people and and so I, I, I just, it, it, it really strikes me these days because, you know, of the lack of guarantees of what tomorrow brings.
4: Mm-hmm. So
2: um, how do we secure as much as we can today and bring certainty into people's lives? So,
4: mm, so good. at the
2: time, no, I appreciate it more, <laughs> more than ever. Um, and I still have a bunch of term that I plan to convert down the road here at that, you know, great
3: health.
4: So then what was your, go ahead, Bruce. And
3: Tom, how was Oh I'm sorry. What was the what was the design on on that? Were you able with the company to just well, at, change the design? At, at or that time
2: I still had still never ahead. heard about IPC, Nelson Nash, or anything related to that. So my only in um, view was the base policy. Right? This that was it. You know, so this, this one's now now it's at, that's starting to hum now pretty well. You know, it's taken some time, too, similar to the first one. Um, but, you know, they're, uh, uh, you know, turning off decent amounts of dividends. Yeah. So it was all base.
3: It is. I've, I've, I'm sorry, Rachel. Uh, it, it, I always find it interesting. I, have, I get the same reaction with my policies. Um, and even though they weren't all base, although I did just recently do one all base on my wife because we were trying to boost up the guaranteed death benefit. And I have a feeling that the interest rates are going to take off and stay there for sustained time. So I think the dividends are going to perform better. That's just my opinion. But I have historical perspective being in the industry in the 80s when it, it happened. And you know, I didn't. I was willing to give up that liquidity. So I knew what I was doing because I do this every day to give up the liquidity. But it is really fun when you do make a payment, whether it be a monthly or an annual payment into your, your policies and you see that immediate growth. It's, it's, it's kind of like fun, it's like I tell people, it's like an ATM, you're like making a money machine when that happens. And uh, you know, a lot of people think it's boring, but I think it's neat. I, I get excited when I look at my uh, personal information report after I make the payment, because it takes about two weeks for it to actually process and watching that cash value then leap up. It it's, is, I, I'm telling uh, you. It's very satisfying. I, for
2: those early years policies, I mean, today, you know, I, I, I come over and I show the paper to my wife and I get all giddy about it. And she said, so we put $1, I created over two. And I didn't have to take any risk on it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I said, where does where, where this ever happen in, i living in another world, right? You tell people that, and there's like, how did that happen?
4: Well, you know, you got to learn it. (laughs) It's
1: really, I think it comes down to this. It is totally long range. I mean, it makes me literally think about the person who says, or there's this old Indian proverb, you know, blessed is the man who plants trees under whose shade he will never sit. It's this idea that I'm doing something for the future. Now, granted, we're getting to enjoy the rewards of the seed that we're planting. But you could say, well, at the moment I planted it, I didn't receive the reward. Well, the microwave culture, this desire that we have for everything to be super immediate has, I think, short-sighted so many people from being able to really step back and say, what is the best decision for the long-term? And we do have to have delayed gratification. We do have to make decisions that are not just Feel good decisions right now in order to get that, and I think it's so valuable to highlight your actual experience of feeling that. So, um, let's jump forward now. What have you been able to do with your kids? I think you said they're sixteen and thirteen. So, where were they in the mix? And I know you have policies on them now. When did that start?
2: Yeah, so that started in two thousand nine. So that they were our, I guess, fifth and sixth policies we put on the books. Right. So we got smaller policies for them. I think their death benefit was like 500,000 uh, at the time. And we just started because we, we said this savings for us. Well, why not save for them? Right. There could be some for college and you know, they could use and protect them. So we just, I just kind of got onto a rhythm of it. I felt better with it each year. Um, so we started them and, you know, we've been funding theirs and theirs are. Finally getting to uh, be a little bit more efficient now where every dollar goes in, it's going up by more than what I put in. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll have some options down the road to for them to maybe utilize that for, for school or business or whatever the heck they want. Um, and then maybe, I said maybe, <laughs> I have to talk to them, make sure they're responsible enough and, and that they can own it
4: down mm-hmm. the
2: road. Right. And I've shown this to them. And I, I could share those fun story with what how we use it today. Yes. Down the road here, yeah, please like, Um, To help illustrate, because I I think when you think about IBC, I know we didn't get to it yet, but it, the one thing I love about it, it helps to, in my mind, help teach basic principles about finance and how to manage money. And so I've used it to help sort of share this with my kids. So the cash value they've gotten in there, I, I have borrowed against it. And I showed them this. I showed specifically on their lives. They know it. And we have used it for investments that have created enough income. It pays their premium for them every year. Awesome. It goes right back in and pays it on the note. And so it's continued to just fund this thing on its own through the use of an asset that we invest in. And, And we know. We know the business owner. We know what's going on. And so they get to see the cycle of this, and how money can be, you know, uh, multiplied in ways and used in multiple spots, and controlling the debt. And so it's a fun exercise because they're like,
4: I totally get it,
2: and they're like, wow, this is amazing. And I said, you know, that to me is well worth getting the policy started. <laughs> that I got to be able to share the direct experience with them, so they can see what's possible, right, in this infinite world. So it's it's a joy. I can't. I like. I look forward to sharing with them every time we, we review it together. So we started doing that these past
4: few years.
1: Well, it's really exciting to walk beside your kids. Sorry, Bruce, that, for the delay. I know
4: we really, keep talking over each other. You go ahead.
3: That's why. Uh, um, that's why real estate people really get into the infinite banking concept because Kiyosaki is always talking about you know buying assets that produce cash flow. And it doesn't always have to be real estate, but obviously Kiyosaki is a real estate person. But what I'm disappointed in in the real estate professionals um, is that they have they believe they have to have their money, you know, deployed it right away all the time instead of building up and looking for the right opportunity instead of any opportunity. And we're seeing that in our economy right now with I won't get into it and I probably have to have disclosure here about SPACs and private e- equity. And we're not suggesting you get into these things, but whenever you have too much money in the system like we do now, what ends up happening is those people, my dad used to say it's like that money's burning a hole in your pocket. You know, and so what you do is you just spend it on something because you feel like you have to spend it on something there at that time, and you end up making not as good of investment. Choices as possible for that asset, and so if people step back and think long range, um, even real estate professionals build up some cash, look for that perfect scenario, which I believe is going to be harder to find right now mm-hmm. um, in our environment. But thinking long range, and that's what you're teaching your kids to do when you're showing them how an asset can come back and then make the make the payments. Which we have a lot of people that are buying assets using leveraging their policies to actually have another form of passive income, so that they can do what they love to do. So I think this was a, would be a good segment to talk about. You know, your transformation. Yeah. And getting A lot into of the it business. started
2: because, to Rachel, you mentioned like it. it I kind of just assume these things come to you at the right time, right? Because I I still remember. This was, I think it was
4: 2015 when I came across IBC. I started reading, um, things are in,
2: in, the prosperity economics movement. Mm-hmm. Butler. And I started reading, I, I read the book, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash, and I had to read it like literally three times in a row. I said, what is this? <laughs> like I've never, and I just stayed up at night. I just couldn't, I couldn't go to sleep, frankly. I said, this is, and the minute there was an initial reaction at the time, I was like, oh my God, I've been doing it all wrong, <laughs> like all this time and regret. And obviously I've overcome that these days. And I said, I, now I appreciate what where it started much more. Um, but I started seeing the, the sort of possibilities around it. And at the same time, I was looking into real estate and And learning about other ways to invest, so it kind of came together almost, almost at the same time. And I started, I started policies with IBC, like IBC in mind. Um, That was back in. Look at my notes. It was back in 2017.
1: You know, Tom, it's funny because I hear you say that you looked as soon as you saw infinite banking, you looked back with a little bit of regret. And I can imagine that if I had been in your shoes, I probably would have felt the same. I mean, I can identify with what you're saying. But from my position, looking back and hearing your story, I'm thinking, but you were a genius to have started (laughs) when you did, even though it may not have been perfect, if you had not started at all. And then you were introduced to infinite banking and you got started with your very first policy in 2017, only five years ago, you would be saying, why didn't I start sooner? And what I'm hearing is how cool was it that you had the vision to begin even though you're looking back and saying well it wasn't a perfect way of doing things you still had tremendous assets already under your belt and this system for saving that you had already begun you didn't have to start all of that
2: yeah no it's perfect well said i i think once i you know calmed down for a second yeah i I think was certainly thinking logically about saying, you know it, it was uh, was not perfect, but it was pretty darn good, and grateful for it for sure. Um, so yeah, so I started that in two thousand seventeen, a more uh, you know forty sixty type policy, forty base and sixty PUA, and started, and it's been going really well now, and and um, have leveraged that for a lot of different other assets uh, on top of the original ones that we started. So I started figuring out like how to how to leverage that. Um, borrow against it for a host of different assets um that i learned to feel comfortable with right through after learning about them <laughs> <So> <laughs> which i know good. you guys often right they know what yeah. you're investing in um, and understand it and um then you can deploy right mm-hmm. i i get that question often you know i want to invest in real estate. what do you know about it right um what experience have you had and And uh, who do you know? And what do you learn? So it's it's a fascinating sort of experience, but I reflect on it now as it it came at the right
4: time though.
1: Mm, So, so good. So how many policies now are in your, what we would call your family banking system? Because this is not just you, Tom, and your whole life policies. Now you're thinking about your whole family and you're thinking also what's going to happen after my kids and how can I create this into generational wealth? Can you talk about how many policies you have in your family banking system and then your vision for the future.
2: So right now we have 10 policies within our family banking world, whole life policies. Um, like I said, the earlier ones were kind of basic. The last few, uh, four have been um, infinite banking designed policies. So in reality, I look at it, I said it's a good compliment. Right? I think there's there's good and bad both sides of it. I think it's a good compliment. And so I, I think there is room for base policies for some people for certain situations. And um so I think I'm I'm grateful to have a little mix of them. And so uh obviously I'm planning to 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 I have a still a a significant amount of term insurance that we can convert in the next 10 years. And I certainly plan to do so. Um you know the longer term vision of it will eventually be is to if my two boys eventually get married and have kids, that the plan is to fund my grandkids. That's my plan today. Maybe ask me 10 years later, it might be different. I may, <laughs> but my tune is today, this is where I'm trying to start this, this, this engine for my family
4: long-term. And nice. I see that as a priority for me. So, That's so, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, there's two so, things yeah. I'd love to point out. One is
1: that you're walking with your kids in this. I think there can be always this challenge of figuring out, okay, I've learned this thing I now want to impart to you. I have some form of wisdom, some insight that I want to. I want my children to be able to learn from the mistakes that I made and the lessons that I've been through and not have to go through all that learning themselves and start over from scratch and just go figure it out. I don't want that. But then how do you actually get them to learn the lesson And, you know, we all know preaching at your kid and telling them what to do is super successful, right? (laughs) (laughs) But if you pave the way and you model the path and you do the right thing, you can say, follow me as I have done. You can say, watch me. And then you can say, Hey, I'm going to put my arm around you and we're going to show you. We're not just going to tell you, this is a great idea for you to do, but I'm not going to do it for myself. You just have to go do it for yourself. They're not going to listen at all to that. But if they can see the fruit in your life and say, wait a minute, that looks really cool. And you take the time then to put your arm around them and say, let me teach you what I've done. Let me show you the reason. Let me show you how you can do this as well. That's powerful.
2: Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's one of those things that you know as parents and you know all we want for them right and i i, I assume you would, would agree with this is to have that independence and control their lives mm-hmm. right and one aspect is, is is their personal finances and i'm not unfortunately I will not be around here forever right although i i certainly would love that um but that's not reality and so i need them to carry forward um and give them as much of a leg up as possible but you know Ensure them that they're going to be able to handle their futures and their lives and perpetuate this. So this is funny because I I started writing down stuff because they weren't listening to me all the time. I said, let me just write it down. And when they're ready, they'll read it. And I started writing down more and learning all the things and writing down anything that's impacted me in a positive way from different mentors, different books, resources, and just wrote it down. And someone said, why don't you just write a book around this? Mm That's what I did. It, it nice. was more just to give them something that they could always have if I fell off the earth tomorrow.
4: <laughs> I didn't so,
2: know you had a book.
1: That's awesome. Have you published this?
2: Yeah, just recently. Yeah, and it's tell, it's called. Tell us about your book. Beyond the Num- Yeah, it's called Wealth Beyond the Numbers, and it was just you know things that I've learned that have impacted me that helped me. Um, live a more fulfilling life to to have some more spirituality and relationships with family and friends and and it just you know helped me build some wealth too at the same time <laughs> and so it just uh really has helped me and i 'm just grateful for all the things i 've come across and the people and it 's just uh you know amazing when you reflect on it um and i can 't wait for what 's next. <laughs>
1: Well, Tom, it's just so cool because I think so many times people can think about wealth is just numbers and wealth is just money, but it's not. It's really once you figure out the money and you figure out how to make it and how to manage it, you're doing all of this internal work, right? Because you have to figure out how to serve other people and how to draw out the gifts and skills that God's infused and placed inside of you. And you have to figure out how to delay gratification and do the right thing and put systems in place and figure out how to how to think for the future, not just for right now. And so you're doing all of this stuff that's making you grow in your character and then to truly be wealthy, you're utilizing that for the purpose of other things. But if you have all the money in the world, that does not mean a successful life. It doesn't mean true wealth. where wealth really consists of being truly fulfilled and happy and growing spiritually, there's a huge spiritual component to our lives. It's not just the material and tangible. It sounds like you are um, just super like-minded on on sharing those thoughts. I want to come back to the life insurance just for one quick moment. You had mentioned human life value at the very beginning. And uh, something amazing about human life values, even if you put all the life insurance in place that you could say 20 years ago, your human life value over time is growing as your income continues to rise and as your assets rise. And what you can look at is not only as you move life insurance over to whole life insurance you have a growing death benefit but then you also can add on more term policies if you ever have the need to increase the death benefit so that you have more human life value and so just a a really cool way to recognize that your human life value is growing and your life insurance can grow along with that to provide more death benefit
2: yeah no it's powerful and and to the point of which i think is is hard for some people you know we talk to people to think long term about things i think it's hard you know, we live in our daily crazy lives with work, and you know, kids or whatever it is. That, and um, to think long term, like how big can this get so we can provide more to the world, right? That's a different thought. I never used to think that way, right? Especially growing up, you know, you get so enamored with your own personal life and, you know, all the external pressures of succeeding and whatever that means. And, you know, I guess this is what happens when you mature or grow older. <laughs> you see bigger picture of yeah. what you were here for, and it's got to have more meaning than just making money. At least from my lens, Amen. it doesn't drive it. Um, it used to be the only thing, and even when I met, to, I remember seeing a number on my balance sheet, and I said, "I don't feel any different today." You know, I got here. What does it mean? And
4: mm-hmm.
2: so, over the years, it's really gotten home to me that to reflect on that because it uh, you can sacrifice a lot to go get it. And it better be worth it if you're going to do that <laughs> from my
4: point of view.
1: Yes. I think it's so amazing. And Bruce, I know you can attest to this just because of all the conversations that we've had that talk about this same thing, but there's so much more to life than just the individual pursuit and the, the satisfaction that you get from having more money and being able to buy more things. At some point, you reach this Phase in your life that you realize none of that really actually matters. And what you truly want is fulfillment. And the way to achieve that is not usually through the methods and the path and the strategies that we thought were all the right thing when you're younger. And there's just so much value in maturity and in age. And that comes back to the word, Bruce, that you mentioned about having seasoned policies. It's Mm -hmm. amazing that this seasoned policy can grow along with you as a human as you become seasoned and have a more expansive and deep and thoughtful
4: approach to life. It truly provides more fulfillment as you are looking for more fulfillment. Well, this is
1: basically time to bring us to a close. Um, Tom, can you share with us how somebody can reach out to you personally um, and just where they can get your book. This has been a fascinating conversation. I believe you're a Nelson Nash Institute practitioner as well. Just share a little bit yeah. about you um, and how people can reach reach out to you.
2: Yeah, best spot. Certainly, you can uh, my website perennialpride.com. Um, You can buy the, the book there. We just uh, kind of released it uh, last week and.
4: Oh wow! Nice. A lot of
2: iteration. Yeah, so it's it's uh you know been a, a longer haul than I expected.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, amen. I understand. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um yeah, people can reach out there and and certainly uh uh connect to me there and book some time if you want to chat. I'm always uh I love to chat with people and uh help them where I can. Yeah, that'd be best spot.
4: Awesome. And
2: also my podcast, Perennial Pride Podcast. People can can uh, check out great information there and you might actually, if you listen to the episode. You might hear a, a famous guy,
4: Bruce Wayne, around there. I think once. That's awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. So, Rachel, as we wrap up today, I think what what people really need to take away from the podcast is to not get caught up in the minutia of policy design and that the savings component, especially when we're talking about the times of turmoil that we're in right now, developing good savings habit is the most important thing, not the design. And that's what everybody keeps talking about. Now there's parameters that if you're trying to accomplish things, within those parameters, but uh, uh, paralysis by analysis captures way too many people. And Tom would probably admit it, it it captures him and his life at times. Um, But if you can think of yourself as just a a producer all the time, you're always going to produce more instead of just consuming more. The amount you put into a policy or designed to put in policy is actually Second to just getting the policy going.
1: Absolutely. I I think that you need a standing ovation for that, Bruce. That was the exact main point of this. And I think the, we'll just close on that. Get started. You will look back and thank yourself for making that traction and, and getting going. Whole life insurance, design doesn't matter as much illustrations don't matter as much. Just begin, begin where you are, take those steps forward and you will be so thankful that you did. So we're going to close out today. If you are looking for somebody to really help you make these decisions, you can reach out to Tom. You can reach out to us at The Money Advantage. We'll help you walk through just really looking at your financial situation and saying, here's my goals. Here's what I have to work with. Here's the decisions I've made in the past. Here's what I want to accomplish in the future. How do I optimize this? How do I keep as much of the money that I'm making as possible? How do I grow it? How do I think long-term? How do I stop just making quick reactionary decisions? And we can help you walk through all of that. And chances are, the answer is probably going to be somewhere in the ballpark of getting started with where you are right now. So we will leave that today. Thank you for being with us. Please like the show. Please go ahead and click the like button wherever you're watching. You can also um, subscribe on YouTube. We are growing the, the platform and the reach and the more subscribers, the more possibility that other people who are looking for this valuable information to change their life, we'll be able to find it. So thank you for your help in being part of our tribe and part of our community. Thank you so much, Tom, for just getting started 19 years ago. And thank you for being here today to share that story.
2: Thanks for having me. It was so much fun and uh, keep up all the great work.
1: Awesome. Thank you all. And in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love